All right. Welcome back, everybody. Providence POV, Peter and Joe here with you again. You'll be hearing this on Tuesday morning, but it's currently Sunday, January 21st. We're doing a little two days ahead preview here. Um, Big week ahead. Providence rematches against Seton Hall on the road on Wednesday and then hosts Ed Cooley and the Georgetown Hoyas on Saturday. But first and most importantly, Peter, what's going on? How's your weekend going? Weekend's going good. Got to watch. It was actually nice and relaxing, Joe. Uh, not watching the Friars for a weekend. It's also probably, mm-hmm. I, I guess, a needed needed weekend off for the team. Uh, got to watch some of the Seton Hall, Creighton game, Marquette, St. John's, Villanova, UConn. A lot of good games in the Big East on Saturday. Uh, but no, it's been a good weekend, and we don't do a lot of these episodes when we get to fully uh, fully uh, focus on. An upcoming game. Most of the time, we're ending the show with about a five to ten minute preview, so it's nice to talk maybe 15, 20 minutes about an upcoming game. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's um, it was it was a well needed week off for the team, but also for the fan base to kind of just not have heart attacks watching them play. Um, but yeah, it's nice because now we get to kind of dissect this upcoming game a little bit more than we normally do. Um. And I guess with that, right, we'll, we'll just dive right in here. Seton Hall yesterday coming off of a brutal uh, triple overtime loss at home to Creighton. Uh, you know, there were plenty of opportunities there for uh, the Pirates to pull away, but credit the Blue Jays because they, they were tough. Um, you know, they made the right shots at the right times. And, you know, I think watching the game holistically, Creighton was bothered by Seton Hall's physicality, but I think Creighton is a little bit more talented specifically from beyond the three-point arc to, you know, take advantage of Seton Hall, whereas, you know, Seton Hall was relying on a lot of gritty inside buckets, and that ultimately was the difference. Creighton won by three. Yeah, it was a fun game. It was a fun game to watch from from afar. Uh, There was a lot of calls, I think, both ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think that both fan bases could have uh, issues with, but that's I think that's college basketball in general, and that's Big East basketball in, in general. Especially in a triple OT game, you're gonna especially as fans, you're gonna dissect it a little more because just obviously you play an extra 15 minutes, right? So there's yeah. more chances for bad calls. Look, it was it was a fun game to watch. Uh, Scene Hall is a very grinded out team, right? Very grinded out team. They don't like. And we did this, Joe. We talked about the first time when Providence faced Seton Hall. We looked at the stats, and I think, I think not by our fault, but you and I, and I think everyone else, read into Seton Hall's stats a little too much. Uh, yeah. Because I do, I do think there some teams are really good on paper, right? And they're really good in real life, right? Like on paper translates to how they perform on the court. Seton Hall is, is the opposite, right? Like I think they're they're you're, they're a team. If you want to truly evaluate who they are and get a real perspective, you have to go watch. The game because I don't right. think the numbers give you any perspective. Uh, but uh, Seton Hall played well. Creighton's obviously a very good team, and it was a, it's a huge game for I guess the top of the Big East because now Seton Hall fall, falls in the second with UConn winning, and Creighton's in third, but Creighton only being a game back of yep. Seton Hall for the second spot. So, and I was looking at the Big East top after the top three. It's an absolute crapshoot. That does involve the Friars, and if you're the Friars, a team sitting at three and four in conference, you don't mind a crapshoot. You you don't mind yep. that type of thing. So anywhere from four to I guess nine, even with uh, 
Butler being three and five in conference with beating DePaul yesterday, it's it's really wide open. I was gonna say, I think um other biggie storylines, Villanova losing yesterday really helped Providence a ton because now, yeah. like you said, Peter, the, the middle of the conference is jammed, right? UConn is the clear cut at the top with Seton Hall and Creighton underneath, but Marquette through Butler, it's kind of, you know, like you said, yeah. a crapshoot. Um well. But like Butler is the worst with three wins, and Marquette's the best with four wins. Right. If you're looking, if you're looking win loss just at the wins, the it's only separated by one game. Obviously, right. there's a different amount of games they have played, but it's just now we know how important these games are. Right, and and you look at a team like St. John's that when they beat us, it looked like they were trending towards being a top of the conference team, but they've yeah. lost three straight. So it's all about, excuse me, it's all about, uh, you know, going on runs and, you know, picking up the wins that you're supposed to win. And sometimes in this conference, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do because you have to win your home games. And when you don't win your home games, it makes the road games that much more difficult. Um, Yeah. So I think uh, this week is super important, especially Wednesday's game for Providence, because, this is going to give us an opportunity to level up with some of the teams that are on top of us in this log jam, specifically Nova, Xavier, and St. John's. And more importantly, get over 500 in conference play. I think it's okay to be in the log jam, but you want to have more wins than losses because if, you know, you keep, you know, slipping and slipping under 500, it just becomes more and more difficult to get yourself out of that hole. And we've seen, Providence teams of the past do this. I think of the 16-17 team that took a six-game win streak at the end of the year to finish third. I think of the 2019-2020 team led by Luan Pipkins that, you know, again, took a six-game win streak and knocked off five ranked opponents in a row to get to fourth in the conference before the season was canceled. Um, But then on the other side of that coin, you've got the 2018-2019 team that you know, went under 500 and, and struggled to get over. Uh, you've got the 2020, 2021 COVID year team that did the same thing. So again, different coaching style, different regime, but uh, the theme still holds true of, you know, you have to get over 500 and stay over 500 if you want a significant chance at a postseason berth. You also got last year's team that struggled down the stretch, obviously for different reasons, but back on the court they struggled. They struggled. They struggled they down the stretch. So the Big East, and we—if you're, you're probably not a, an X fan, listen to this. But if you're an X fan, you've seen your team over the years have great starts to Big East play, and then crumble down the stretch. And it's happened a ton of times. One one of the reasons Travis Steele is currently not the Xavier head coach because it just kept happening over and over again. But look, Joe, on Wednesday. One, you have a chance, like you said, to get back to 500 in Big East play. Yep. Two, you have a chance to get another Big East win. Always, obviously important. Sounds stupid, but very important. And also, it's a quad one win, I would believe, right? I'm looking at Seen Hall currently 60 in the net. So that on the road, one to 75 is a quad one win on the road, correct? I think that's correct, yes. Okay, so technically would be a quad one win. And right now the Friars have two quad one wins to start the uh, to start the year so far this year, uh, it would put them to three quad one wins. And that's, I think that's huge. I think it's bigger than people think. Uh, yeah. 
because one, you also avenged the opening loss that you lost at home. And it's also another another Big East game, another quad one chance. And you don't want to take those for, for granted. And then I do think it is a winning winnable game, even though playing at Seton Hall and how Seton Hall has been playing this year, even though they lost on Saturday. Uh, yeah. is, it's a very tough task. Though. It, it is 100% a winnable game. And, um, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. It's, a, you know, gets us another quadrant one win opportunity. Um, you know, you avenge the loss to Seton Hall where Bryce Hopkins went down. There's a bunch of um, emotional storylines that go into it. But, uh, you know, another one in terms of conference is you don't want to get swept by Seton Hall, um, especially a Seton Hall team that has some of those, you know, pretty bad early season losses. So mm-hmm. you don't want to get swept. You want to avenge Bryce Hopkins and you want a quadrant one opportunity. But back to the main point, Peter, like you said, this is 100% a winnable game. And the reason I say that is because we only lost by four at home to Seton Hall. And this isn't to uh, discredit him, but when Hopkins went down, he wasn't having a major impact on that game. And uh, offensively speaking, I think defensively, you know, he was holding his own, but he only had five points, eight rebounds. He was one for seven from the field in 20 minutes. So Bryce Hopkins essentially played half of that game, and we still, you know, went brick for brick with Seton Hall. So I I think now that the team is a little bit more acclimated to a post-Bryce Hopkins era, you know, you're a little more prepared to take on the Pirates without him. And, you know, like I said, it's not like he was, like, dropping 30 and had this – massive impact the first time around he only played half the game so it is possible to be competitive with the Seton Hall team without Bryce Hopkins so number one that excuse is already off the board yeah and going back and looking just at the box score and just the Seton Hall game in general it's it's a tough one to evaluate just because obviously the injury right Mm -hmm. and the fires are different so you probably technically kind of have to throw out that first half because I know it because it's irrelevant to where the where province is currently at today with their roster construction. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the second half, right? The Friars win 33-32 in the second half. Obviously they ended up losing the game by four, but they win the second half 33-32. And I'm and it's it's interesting to see how this team has kind of developed without Bryce Hopkins and we've seen them go through the lumps, but we also seen some good things against uh the run against great and obviously beating DePaul and you obviously have to take the, the winning winning against DePaul for with a little bit of a great assault. Just who DePaul is as a whole it's in the big Yeah, that's the that's the one problem with that. It's it's DePaul. But it's they were they were in the game in the second half, right? They're they're yeah. Joe, they're a Josh Adoro layup away from OT. Yeah, that's right. So they're Josh and that look was good of under 10 seconds left. And they get Josh Adoro look, and he wasn't able to capitalize, and he didn't have a particularly great game, 9 for 21. He did have 23 points, but he was still 9 for 21. wasn't overly efficient. So, that they Joe, they're, they're, look, we don't know a win against Seton Hall, what it does for Creighton or Xavier. Like we, we don't, obviously, that's the beauty of sports. You never know what happens depending on results. But they were a Josh Adoro layup away a contested layup but a contested right. layup away from overtime potentially and 
Obviously, I don't know what will happen in overtime, but it wasn't like they were so far off. They won the no. second half without Bryce Hopkins. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're at home, and I do think Seton Hall is playing much better than they did. Like, Seton Hall has gotten better, even though they lost against Creighton. Uh, and, and listen, you can't get overly mad about that, and they had chances to win that game. The 6-2 and two in conference, but they were in that game in the second half, and like I said, mm-hmm. a land away from forcing uh, an overtime. Well, you're right, and uh, I think Seton Hall has the best backcourt in the Big East, um, and like you said, that backcourt has only gotten better. I think Alamir Dawes is spectacular. Kadari Richmond is obviously a force, um, and Davis is also really good. So you have the three-headed monster right there, but to you know, build on your point with Josh Oduro, let's keep in mind, Oduro started six for six in the first half against Seton Hall and then went on to go three for 15. So if we can get Oduro cooking against, um, what's his name? Jaden Bediaco. Yeah. Right. Like Bediaco, I'm not going to say that Bediaco uh, held his own against Oduro, but he certainly gave him fits in the second half, right? Like, you know, he had he had a good defensive performance, but keep in mind, Oduro also put up 23 points. So, it, well, how good was it really? But if Oduro can get going, then it's just going to space the floor for our guards. And, you know, this is back to that theme that we said, you know, before this four-game skid is that, you know, the ball has to start with Oduro. I think he got his legs back under him uh, against DePaul, which sometimes I know it's DePaul, but sometimes you need a game like that to get your confidence back up. So I think it's going to start with Oduro the same way that it did the last time around because Bediaco, for as good as he's playing, is still not one of the top five centers in the Big East. And I know Oduro has been on the downswing, but Oduro has at times played like a top five big in the conference. So it's going to start with him. Um, and then, you know, we're going to have to have the, a defensive masterclass to handle this Seton Hall backcourt, you know, who guards Kadari Richmond. I think it should be Devin Carter, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he, keep in mind, Kadari Richmond is not your typical point guard. He is, he's more like a wing that plays point guard. He's six, six, two ten. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a thick guy. Yeah. And Kadari Richmond is really good. He struggled a little shooting wise against, uh, Creighton, I do think he's the type of guy that probably should take less outside shots. He's a yeah. guy that needs, needs to get downhill more. Like we were talking about with Bryce Hopkins, right? Like he's better when he uses his body and gets into the lane. But Kalkbriner against Betty Yako, Betty Yako, yeah, Betty Yako yesterday or, or on Saturday, uh, played 54 minutes, which the minutes are just absolutely completely skewed just because of his three game. overtimes. Yeah. So the minutes are skewed. Uh, but he was 12 for 23. So he took the same amount of shots as Duro did the first time they played against Seen Hall. And he was 12 for 23, 28 points, and he had nine rebounds. I do think, I agree with you 100%, Joe. This is a Josh Adoro game, right? I There's been success against like, teams. If you go back and watch teams that played Seen Hall, they get their big men a lot of touches. They don't always score like Josh Adoro struggled shooting. Mm-hmm. They get him 20 plus looks. Like Carl Brighter had 23 shots and got to the line seven times. Finished with 28 points. That seems like more of a, that seems like the stat line you want from Adoro. I'm not saying 28 points, 21 points a lot, but I'm saying like I think Adoro has to be one of your main focuses because I do think, like I agree with you, Seen Hall is a very good backcourt. So I do think if you if you want to expose something with Seen Hall, I think you can expose them a little bit down low. Yeah. Uh and also what Seen Hall team are we getting, Joe, from three? They shot five for 14 against uh Creighton. 
which is which resulted in 35.7 percent from the field right like seen hall against us was seven for 16 43 percent we that has to be less we yeah. have if it's also the combination of both how do we guard the three and also how does seen hall right like how does seen hall shoot the three and i do think seen hall got, got us in trouble in that first half joe because they were making a lot of outside shots the first time we met with them and I don't think you can beat Seton Hall if they're making threes. They're like, well, that's their weakness, right? And if they start hitting threes, you're, I think you're in trouble. And one of the reasons they've been so good in conference play is they, they've upticked their three-point percentage from kind of where it was originally. They still rank 205th in college basketball from three at 33%. So it's not a great three-point shooting team. But they shot 43% against us. They made seven threes from 16, uh, 16 attempts against us. Creighton, they were five for 14. They made a couple less. That was the difference, right? Like that's, yeah. I think that's the main focus. If we can limit, if we can slow down their three-point shooting, which isn't good, then I do think we have a chance to win this game. Yeah, and we were texting during that 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 first matchup that we reverse jinxed them, or I guess not reverse yeah. jinx, but we jinxed them because we went on and on that in our preview episode about how Seton Hall wasn't a good shooting team. And then they were killing it from three. Davis was two for two. Kadari Richmond hit a three. Dylan Adai Wusu, who's a 27% three point shooter, hit two threes. And Alamir Dawes hit two threes. Um, I do think what, you know, just looking at the, at the, the rest of the stat sheet now um, is another red flag for me on the Seton Hall side of things is only their starters recorded points against Providence and none, no one from their bench was able to score or really even took any shots. You know, there were two field goals attempted from their bench and the rest of the 58. So I guess the remaining 56 came from starters. So if, you know, we can get their starters in, in, into a fit defensively, you know, make their backups come in and try and score. I think that's another advantage for Providence, but what I think is glaring for me is Providence in the entire 40-minute game had six offensive rebounds to Seton Hall's 27 defensive rebounds. That's just – that's unacceptable. I mean, we we, we got to clean the glass with yeah. or without Bryce Hopkins. Oduro is a capable rebounder. Mm-hmm. Devin Carter is a capable rebounder. Let's keep in mind, uh, you know, you've got a 6'11 person in Rafael Castro who – should be out rebounding people that are smaller than him. Ticket gains has improved his ability to rebound. This shouldn't necessarily be, you know, the the discrepancy shouldn't be that outweighed heavily f- towards Seton Hall. We should be getting offensive rebounds or second chance points. You made a great point. I was about to say it's the Bryce Hopkins effect, and we, Joe, we have seen that since Bryce Hopkins is, his absence um, in the last handful of games that the team has struggled rebounding wise mm-hmm. uh, and defensively and just putting the offense to a side. So obviously you saw us get out rebound a lot against Seton Hall. We've seen it against uh, Xavier. We've seen it against Creighton, uh, St. John. I forgot we played St. John's and St. John's as well. Uh, but yeah, that's the the downside of not having Bryce Hopkins. You mentioned depth a minute ago, Joe. Yeah. Seton Hall is not deep, right? They're, Best guy off the bench is Elijah Hutchinson Everett. Everett, he's a center. He's their backup big. Uh, he played 10 minutes against Creighton, but he played 
20 minutes against uh, the Friars, and they also somehow sometimes trot out Isaiah Coleman, the freshman guard from Virginia, who's averaging five points a game. But they're not deep. Neither are the Friars, really, at this point, as much as they were in the beginning of the year, obviously due to the injury to Bryce Hopkins and obviously not having Justin Fernandez and uh, as well. Um, <clears throat> someone that I don't think that's talked about enough that we could actually really use right now. <laughs> another, yeah. another wing. I always mention every game when I see him. I tell my dad, I'm like, we could really use Justin Fernandez right now. Just another wing off the bench or even potentially starting <laughs> at this point. Like, it's kind of like you don't think about it before the year. You're like, okay, he'll be back next year. And then all of a sudden you get a major injury. You're like, crap, we kind of need it right now. Uh, but yeah, Seen Hall is not super deep. They kind of have two guys. Like, they have kind of two guys off the bench. Uh, and J- Joe, they put they they played a three overtime game right yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, Saturday against Creighton. They had four guys come off the bench. They had Isaiah Coleman, who I just talked about, who plays off the bench as a guard, the freshman. He played 13 minutes. Remember, guys, it's a three overtime game, so it's a 55 minute basketball game. Now he played 13 minutes off the bench. Elijah Hutchinson, Everett, their back of Bigman, played 10 minutes. Uh, David Tubek, who's a freshman forward, played three minutes off the bench. And Jaquan Sanders, who's a sophomore guard, played six minutes off the bench. They are not deep. Their starters on Saturday played 45, 47, 51, 48, and 52 minutes. The numbers are skewed completely, obviously, but it just shows you how heavily they rely on that starting five. And if you get guys into foul trouble, if you get guys who are struggling, they don't want to go to their bench. They don't have guys to go to their bench. So mm-hmm. they're five guys. They're two. They're just seven deep, technically, with Coleman and Hutchinson. But obviously, Coleman's a freshman, and Hutchinson's just a backup big. So they're not deep at all. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Seton Hall isn't isn't necessarily a deep team. They are very top heavy with their starters. Um, and I think in terms of the the triple overtime game, there, there's two storylines to monitor coming into this one. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, the the commentary about them not being deep is their starters are going to be gassed because three overtimes is a long basketball game. And it was a long physical basketball game. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, they out physical Creighton, but Creighton was matching the intensity. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so Seton Hall is going to be, you know, dinged up. Keep in mind, they have a couple of days rest. So I'm sure, you know, that factors into it, but they're coming in off a, a triple overtime loss at home. So that leads me to the next part of this, which is they're going to be desperate. Um, Shaheen Holloway is a gritty uh, coach. He, his players play the way that he played. Um, and, and, and you can tell that Holloway feels uh, disrespected nationally and in terms of the conference. Uh you know, just in the in his mannerisms, he wants his team to be at the top of the league, uh, and a two game skid is not the way to do that. And he's well well aware of that. On the flip side, Providence is coming off of a relieving, um, you know, thirty eight point blowout on the road over a, <laughs> honestly just a really shitty DePaul team. So mm-hmm. you've got two teams here coming in with coming off of different types of games. Providence had a get-right blowout, and Seton Hall had a gutsy, heart-wrenching, triple-overtime physical loss. So it's going to be a battle of who wants it more. Does Providence want to take revenge against Seton Hall and steal a road win? Or does Seton Hall want to you know, reclaim some legitimacy and get that seventh win to you know, be back 
just a, a hair under UConn in the standings and sweep the Friars. That's that's another, you know, it's not a statistical storyline, but, you know, it's an emotional momentum storyline that has to, you know, be a large factor when looking at this game. Yeah, you also have Seton Hall that following Saturday after they play Wednesday against the Friars going to Marquette. So they know what, obviously, Marquette's a very good team. Obviously, Marquette beat St. John's over the weekend at St. John's, which we know, obviously, St. John's is a very tough team. Playing at Madison Square Garden is not easy, as the Friars found out a couple weeks ago. Uh, but going to Marquette is a very tough game to play. Like going, anytime you go to play at Marquette, and Providence still has to go do that, so we'll find out find that out real fast as well. But, yeah, so Seton Hall, after a home game, back to three straight home games, actually. They played home against St. John's. They won by 15 without Patino. Then they hosted Creighton. They lose by three in triple over team, triple overtime. And then, obviously, they host the Friars on Wednesday. And then you go to Marquette, right? Like, this is a homestand that if you're seeing all, you want to go – well, now you have to go two and one. But you would take, obviously, two and one before going to Marquette on the road, which on paper you can – potentially marked down as a loss. Obviously they still would have to play, obviously play the game, but you can mark right. down on paper as a loss. So Seton Hall has obviously a little bit of a tough stretch here coming up. Uh, so they want to get back on track and obviously, like you say, stay right par with UConn in the win column. But yeah. And the Friars are trying to get back to 500 in Big East play. Yeah. You and I kind of opened the show with this, Joe, you get to four wins in Big East play. And depending on results this week and who plays who, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, stuff are going to be skewed depending on all that stuff. They're right back in the mix. Like they're 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 in the mix. Uh, but like X plays Creighton on Tuesday. Creighton sitting at five wins. X sitting at four. Right. Like yeah. you can tie X potentially. Butler taking on Georgetown. Uh, Butler obviously gets the four. But then you also have Villanova taking on St. John's on the same day as Friday. Villanova's four and three. St. John's four and four. Marquette taking on DePaul. Marquette's four and three. Right. Like. You have a lot of teams that are going to lose, and some teams are going to win. So a win puts you right back into potentially the six, the seven, the five range, where I think I would take at this point of the year, seeing where we were maybe a week and a half ago. Right. You know, there's so many opportunities in this conference to pick up quality wins. Um, But then there's also, with that, you're right, the, the level of competition and the style of play uh, is so premier compared to the rest of college basketball, maybe minus the big 12, but uh, the level of basketball in this conference is more or less unmatched. Um, But that's a good thing and a bad thing. It means quality wins and quality opponents each and every night, but also means that there's a ton of opportunity for loss. Um, It's, you know, sink or swim time for Seton hall. You can, either sweep Providence and Marquette or split with both. Uh, and on the flip side, on the Providence side, this is the Providence podcast, you know, um, this is this is a, a get-right week. You know, build off of the momentum that you picked up against DePaul. Uh, you could steal a road win against Seton Hall, and then you have a very emotional uh, game on Saturday that we're not going to talk about today. But uh, it's a huge week uh, in Friartown. Um, and like you said, with all of the different storylines going on across the league, it's going to be very interesting, you know, as we're recording this Sunday, one week from today to see what the conference standings look like, because they could look much different than they do right now. Yeah, I, I, I going going on a limb and say the middle of the man, it took me a minute to spit that out. But uh, 
the middle of the Big East is going to look potentially uh, different, a little. Some teams yeah. flip-flop each other. Obviously, I think UConn stays at the top. UConn's playing some very good basketball at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see how this week kind of goes. But, Joe, you 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 were spot on with that. The fact that we've, we've talked about this a ton of times, but the Big East gives you opportunities to win games. Mm-hmm. They're not easy games. So that's why no. you lose games. <laughs> but they give you opportunities to go, obviously, boost your resume, uh, quad one, quad two wins, and all that kind of stuff, and right quad one win on Wednesday potentially, which a lot of bracketologists have fired kind of right outside the tournament right now, next four out, first four out, whoever you look at, quad one win against Seton Hall on Wednesday puts you probably back into, I guess, the early, I know it's still January, but the tournament picture at the moment, which you can't complain. Yeah. So, yeah, Wednesday's a big game. It's a massive game. It's obviously the next game, but what's at stake with, the quad one win and obviously splitting the season series with a very good scene hall team is also very intriguing. Yeah. Never a dull moment in this conference. Um, you know, as indicated by the four games that we saw this weekend, each of which was decided by one possession. Um, you know, Xavier beats Georgetown by one. Uh, Marquette beats St. John's by one. Creighton beats Seton hall by three. And then was there another game that I'm missing? Uh, you see Marquette St. John's and then UConn beat Villanova by one. That yes. was the last one. So, you know, each game decided by one possession. That's how tight this league is. Um, you know, the, make or break Seton Hall ranks 60th in the net. Providence comes in at 57th and Seton Hall ranks 54th in Ken Palm and Providence comes in at 47th. So this is more than a winnable game for Providence. It just depends what Providence team shows up. Yeah. I'll say my kind of final thoughts. Yeah, what Providence team shows up? Are they going to be able to rebound? Because I do think Seton Hall is a very good rebounding team. They're going to have to rebound. They're going to have to defend. But we said earlier in the show, Seton Hall is not a deep team. They rely mm-hmm. on five guys. Most of those guys are coming off 40-plus minutes and close over some guys over 50 against Creighton on Saturday. So we'll see what their, obviously, energy level is on Sat- on Wednesday night. Obviously, the handful of days in between, which obviously helps. But, you know, we'll see who they are. And it's it's a fascinating matchup, uh, but it's another game on the schedule. And it's another chance, like I said, to get a quad one win, get that to three, and stay kind of par in the crowded middle of the Big East. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it from us here at Providence POV. Providence takes on Seton Hall this Wednesday at 630. That game is on the road. You'll hear from us again Friday morning um, where we'll talk about that one and then preview the big game on Saturday. But for Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise. Head over to our site to check out some of the awesome work that our content creators produce. But We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Go Friars. Go Friars.